And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. All right, boys, it's 9 o'clock on a Friday night. Should we do a podcast? Certainly. Might as well. All right. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is the Here You Are podcast. I believe this is episode number four or episode number 78 or it's episode volume six. I'm your. I'm one of your hosts, Dino, and I'm here with my main man. This is Eric, but you really should know what number we're on. I know, but I. I don't really. I don't have a login for the website. I feel. I feel like that part is siloed oh, here, away from me. Here we go. Here right. we go. You know, I. I feel like. Here uh, we go. Here, I, it's like a marriage. It's exactly. falling apart. It's yeah. like you know. Oh, brother. I mean, I, Sorry I, you had to be a part of this domestic quarrel. Yeah, I mean, I'd like Dan. to know what's going on with the website and things like that, but it just, it, it is You just... are the producer of the website, <laughs> aren't I mean, of the podcast, That's correct? That's true, yes, that is okay. true. I guess that should be enough for me. That's you what know? I keep telling people, so... Yes, that's right. Yeah. It, he, he should just be happy with what I give him. That's right. <laughs> This little podcast, that's what he gets. So, and we're, and we're here with, uh... You're quite hostile. I got a right to be hostile, man. My people been persecuted. With vice, I hold the mic to vice. With force, I keep it away, of course. Wasa's own, uh, Dan Newman, who, uh... Was great, graced, great, uh, was nice enough to join us on a Friday night. So uh, thanks for coming, Dan. No problem. Are uh, you guys over your little spat? Are we okay now? I don't know. It's, it's no, fr- we're going to dig back into it. Dino, it's 39. All it's, right. We're this, up is, to... this is number 40. Really? This is, the, this is actually 41. The last recording didn't take. The last, yes. So. Okay. Yes, we, ha- we did have one lost episode. So, so you're a nice even 40. Nice. Dan. Nice, nice. Way to go. Happy to be here for the birthday. There it is. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's good. So, 40, 40 yes. podcast. That should, we should celebrate somehow. Now, we'll celebrate when we get to 50, you know. Sweet. And we'll, we'll have T-shirts printed up or something. So, so, um, so Dan's a freelance writer in Wausau, and, uh, and he also works at the same place Eric and I work. And uh, and I think I've known him officially for I think it's decades. I don't actually know Dan. Do you have? I don't have a good sense of that sort of stuff. So I met you it, during the Express era. How long ago was that? I think I'm no good with numbers either. But the best I can come up with is 14 years. Wow. So maybe well, a little longer. Maybe 15. That's cool. That's really cool. What's the Express era? Oh, and we're walking right into this. So uh, I met Dan when he uh, he was a music writer for a publication called Express, right? Or was called it Express? Right. Express. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's yeah. starting to ring some bells. 
So, uh, Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, about your about what Express was and what you did there. Express was a zine. I'm sure that your listeners are familiar with what a zine is. It's nice. If you're, if you're not, just just hang up. I mean, just disconnect now. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Um, it, it's an underground magazine. So, I don't know, Dino was really into them, so that's why I figured. But um, it was just a couple of dudes in an apartment, quite honestly. They made this magazine in a printer in their kitchen, and it was it was made in a brochure program that you know came with your grandpa's computer it was insane that it even had an issue it was so underground that it was below the ground and i um i don't know it, i needed a place to start and they were right there so that's where i got my first freelancing assignment so so you know, I, came on board. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit fascinated by that because I think uh, this this was probably the only time I ever did a a pre-interview for the podcast. I talked to Dan a little bit earlier today about sort of what I wanted to know, and I I really do want to know as as one writer to another, I want to know about how you decided to to become a writer. You know because. Yeah, I mean, because you you sort of showed up fully formed. Like I, I, you know, you were all of a sudden you were here and you were writing about music, and I, you know, and I just wonder how you got to that point. Sure. Yeah, I can help you out there. Um, I started writing when I was in my teens, like everyone else does, and by the time I hit about thirty, I got sick of not being published. I really hadn't put anything out before that you know I hadn't even tried and I realized that something had to change in my life and I had to go out and you know get a start somewhere and I was thinking I was talking with you know Tammy from City Pages and I don't know she wanted me to get clips before I went further so <laughs> I was at Scott Street I think Scott Street taking pub one time and there was a copy of Express sitting there so I read a little bit of it, and I, I don't know, it wasn't exactly what you call impressive, but I mean, these dudes were at least trying. So I found out through the grapevine where the editor worked, and I, I walked into him while he's at work. He was the clerk at a gas station, and um, I, I walked up to him, and I said, hey, I saw your magazine, and he says, oh, yeah, what did you think? And I said, I think you need a writer. And he said, I think I need a writer, too. And I said, hi, I'm Dan Newman. I'm a writer. And that's how it started. That's how it began. After that, I I took my first three clips that I wrote for that article. They were just, you know, local band reviews. Just, I don't know. They weren't really very good. <laughs> and I took those three clips to City Pages, and I got my first published work off of that. So I want to I want to keep going a little. I want to drill into this a little bit more. So tell tell people why you wanted to be a writer. I mean, because you could have been a welder or uh, uh, mer a merchant marine or a track star, which we'll get to. Um, 
or, or really, you know, a shop re- or a watch repairman. I mean, you could have been anything, but you, for whatever reason, have have felt this bug to toil as as a writer. So, yeah, a little bit about All right. that. Certainly, um, it's got to be just I'm a storyteller. That's all there is to it. I love humor. I love I love drama as long as it's you know scripted in that real life. I really get into telling people stories and getting ideas across. And the cheapest way I can do that because I've always been pretty broke is writing. And you know, filmmaking wasn't was very cost prohibitive for me until you know the current era. So I focused on getting my or telling stories through words. I would, I don't know, I, when I was growing up, I had a weird childhood, but I had to hide my writing. And that got me kind of used to the idea of being able to lose it. So throughout the years, I would just write and write and write and throw her in the garbage. I wouldn't do a thing with it. I want to be published was I wanted to have something, just I wanted to do something with my life. My 20s were kind of a waste, and I wanted to reach more people than you can just, you know, without putting yourself in the public eye. Does that answer your question? Sort of, you know, but I, I, you know, what was it about, I mean, again, what was it about storytelling? Like, you know, as a little kid, what what was the thing that sort of where you went, oh, this feels good, you know? <laughs> where was the separation? I mean, like, Dan, you said early on you had something you said about filmmaking. It wasn't going where you wanted it to go. How did mm-hmm. you decide at that point that instead of telling stories through film, you were going to do it through words? Words on the well, page. Well, like yeah. Like I said, uh, it was um, filmmaking was cost prohibitive. I've always loved cameras and everything, but my first camera was a Minolta disc, so you can't really get a lot of good stories out of that. Um, so I never really, I wanted to get into filmmaking, but I never did because of the cost. So storytelling, uh, I honestly don't know why I like it. I like humor, I like jokes, I like making people. I like telling people, I don't know, I, I just like making shit up, quite honestly. Um, I don't know. When I was a young kid, I my favorite thing in the world to do was daydream. It's all I ever did, so I'd always construct stories in my head. And I thought maybe some of them were good enough for other people to enjoy, so I wrote them down. And I don't know, through time I lost them. And I was kind of sick of doing that, so I wanted to get published just to share my storytelling with other people and to also learn how to you know, get better at it. That's cool. Good. So um, tell us a little bit more about Express, the, the magazine itself. So, do, how, you know... What was, what was your favorite piece that you wrote in Express Magazine? And wh- yeah. All right. <clears throat> Express Magazine was, uh, 
it was in the editor's apartment. He would just, you know, sit at his computer in his bedroom all day in his bathrobe, and he'd be usually on forums or, you know, on banned websites, just, you know, <laughs> trolling around. And he had a roommate who wasn't associated with the magazine, but the other guy, the other, I forgot what his title was, but the other big guy with the magazine, he'd always come over and he had his own computer in the editor's bedroom. And they would do, you know, advertising copy and they do everything out of this dude's bedroom. It was, it was a really interesting time. You know, it was as bare bones as you can possibly get. And for whatever reason, I've always been attracted to that sort of thing. So it wasn't a bad experience. I, I don't talk about it in public often, but it wasn't a bad experience. But um, there was, I think, three or four people involved with it before Dino got involved. There was just a couple of writers, and it I don't know. The way they did it was so outlandish. One time I, I turned in an, an article, and I didn't know this person's name. So I put in bold in brackets, and I made it very obvious there was something missing. I put, I need dude's name, right? And I told the editor about it, and it printed that way. So that's probably my favorite story because of that incredible screw-up that wasn't mine. Who's, whose name was it? I still don't know. It was like the basis for some metal band based out of, you know, Menasha or something. Nice. No idea. So, so during those years, because you and I shared this experience a little bit, you before me and me after you. Oh, fuck. Um what? That was just the worst. I almost just said the worst sentence in the world. But um, you, you were writing about music locally for a long time. And uh, so it's it's fun for me to ask, what was, you know, you, you went to a lot of shows, but you're not really sort of a, a rock and metal guy. I At least I don't think no. of you as that. Um, no, I'm not. But you, you went to a shit ton of shows. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just kind of wondering what it was like for a not rock and metal guy to be deeply immersed in a rock and metal community. Oh, it was absolutely fascinating. I didn't know those people. And in fact, I don't know those people now. So I felt like an embed journalist, you know, behind the, the scenes looking at all this stuff because I get comp stuff all the time. You know, I'd get comp tickets to everything. Why not go? I mean, Christ, there's girls there. And it's fun, you know, and then there's the after parties and everything. Uh, I looked at it, I, I don't know, it was just, it was a new thing that I had access to. So I took full advantage of it because, I mean, it's right there. Why not? The people were great. They're, people are the same everywhere. It's just, you know, they have different ways of speaking and different, you know, different, I don't know, verbiage they use and different activities are not okay at certain places and others are. So, yeah, it was, it was a blast just because I, I don't know, never experienced that before or since. Can you, can you give me an example of, like, a, a sketchy evening? <laughs> I was doing an after bar or an uh, after show party, and it lasted for, I, I think, eight hours. You know, everyone went home at, like, nine in the morning. 
and it was insane. There was stuff getting broken, like doors were getting broken out their hinges. People were just emptying the fridge, just eating whatever. And this girl saw my article, and she's like, are you famous? Will you sign my boob? And I'm like, sure. So that was a, that was a pretty decent evening. So yeah, I, I signed a boob with a Sharpie, so I was sort of like a rock star myself in that era. Yeah. Do you know how many Do you know how many boobs have you signed as a writer in your um, time? I have signed uh, no boobs. I've I've not signed any. I I I get the opposite experience usually uh, when I was writing about music. I would get the girlfriend coming up, going, "I know you hate my boyfriend's band." <laughs> and, and me just sit, standing there going, I don't know who your fucking boyfriend is. Well, he's on stage right now. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like his band. So, yeah, but I didn't write anything bad about him. But but he knows you don't like his band. But I didn't write anything bad. So <laughs> shut up. You know, but yes, I've never I never had that experience. So I, I um, yeah, I never really got a chance to sort of uh, to to we'll just say write critically about music so uh you know but at the same time people knew what i hated and stuff like that so it's not like i hit it but uh yeah no i never got to sign a boob but i did you know i i those years writing about music for the city pages were great because uh i I got to go everywhere and see everything and talk to everybody i wanted to and i think you know writing about writing about and celebrating people who are uh putting it out there like that i think that's pretty cool you know i think that yeah i might not dig whomever you know reggae band 13 from madison but you know i'm i'm impressed that they're they're you know they're in the van they're showing up they're going to play at malarkey's and you know they're going to put it all out there for the night for 60 bucks you know i think that there's yeah. something i think there's something inherently noble about that you know my I, you know i don't have to 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 say that they're you know the bad brains or anything, but you know, I, I celebrate them for trying. So, yep, I agree. So, uh, one of the things I, uh, I wanted to talk about was, uh, so you made a transition at one point away from writing about music and into being a, a full-time student. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, what sort of fueled that decision to go back to college? Well, I think that that was probably just, I thought I wanted to grow up and get a job in writing. I thought that was a good logical next step. And for most of those, you need some form of a degree, or so I thought. Um, A lot of my history was bad ideas and bad decisions. But I, I wanted to get a degree in English and use that to get a job and it i don't know i don't regret it at all but i didn't end up getting a degree i went to classes that interested me and i did learn a lot and it was a valuable experience but that plan did not work out so tell me yeah so talk a little bit about what you did learn oh i learned a lot um at the time i was working in a newsroom you know the daily herald newsroom and that job taught me an immense amount about the English language. I learned more there than I had in my previous life since I learned how to use commas. And I went to college, 
and I saw the rest of it because I met other people who were writers just for fun. And I never, I never really hung out with a lot of them before that. I didn't really know many. So I got to see how they lived and how they, you know, saw life and talked to them about their views. And they were all, you know, young people. And it was really fun to kind of get into groups and get into what they were doing and, you know, see the world how they did. So I learned a lot about life at college. I, I got the experience you're really supposed to have, I think. So and I, I worked for the, um, the student paper, and I was also on staff for the literary magazine. So I still had writerly things going on in my life during that time. Sorry, I had the microphone off. Sorry about that. So uh, oh, okay. dur- during that time, as, as you were developing as a writer, um, did you develop, you know, mentors, guys who, who uh, or guys or women who helped you as a writer? Oh, uh, yeah. I think I've gone through a handful of mentors. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the kind of person to sort of report to people, so I'm not very good at being mentored. I I tend to stick with my own way of things, for good or for ill. Did you see the size of that chicken? But, I don't know, my mentors in, in my college era were people who weren't really, or weren't for writing reasons. I don't know. Some of my professors were, I don't know, they're instrumental in changing how I thought about things. And I find I found that you know incredibly valuable. Can Can you give us an example? Yeah, should I? I mean, should I say names or what? Sure, it's your story. All right. Um, well, Professor Barry Liss, you know, I I met him, and we had a a sociology based class. I think you know where he was teaching, of course, and I took his class. And just the way that he looked at the world, you know, the way he put things together in conversation, he was a lot more of, I guess, I don't know, an earthy hippie than I am. And he had an education behind that thought process to back up the stuff he was saying. So I really got into that. You know, I really got into his head a little bit and he opened my eyes to a lot of different ways of seeing the world. I thought it was a lot more black and white than it really is. And he helped to fix that. Well, that's cool. Good. So, uh, so then, um, so that was, was broke American then during, I don't remember. I don't either. So, so then you, you, at one point you started a, a website, or a blog or whatever the fuck they called them. But he started a website yeah. called Broke American. And mm-hmm. uh and it was it was a pretty intense project. Like you got you really put yourself out there at a time when it was all sort of new and fresh and you know mm-hmm. new. And uh so and I think you were probably a, a broke American writing about being a broke American and all that other shit. And you were really writing yeah. about yourself and I thought it was pretty cool. So Tell us, tell us a little bit about Broke American. All right. That blog was one of my favorites. It was one of my favorite projects. The whole thing was 
the buy nothing thing was going on at that time. So there were all these people who were like, I'm not going to buy anything new for a year unless I need it. You know, you could buy underwear and socks and you could buy all your normal like consumable products, but you couldn't go out and buy a new watch, you know, or whatever. Couldn't buy just new shoes to have them. And there were all these people who were doing that. And the problem with them is they'd find out six months after their book was on the bestseller list that prior to this, they went out and bought 30 grand worth of stuff at, you know, some mall. So that kind of, you know, blew them out of the water. And I was like, hey, I don't have 30 grand to spend at any damn mall. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try this project. So I started a blog where my goal was to get out of the living check to check. And what I thought of that goal was to have $1,500 in the bank. So what I did was buy nothing and everything I saved during the process, I just put in a bank account, you know, and I wouldn't touch that because I, I had enough. I didn't, you know, I had enough clothes. I had enough of that stuff. So I could have just done it without buying a damn thing. And the, the blog went well. I don't remember how long the thing lasted. I think it was only eight or nine months, but I mean, it, it got so big. People were, there was newscasts on it. I got a call from the doctors from, you know, the, the television show, the doctors, this woman called me up and she was like, hi, we're doing a show on people going to extremes to quit smoking. And I was already, you know, I already had quit smoking at the time. I actually offered to, you know, start smoking again just to be on the show. They didn't bite. So I don't know that after that, I sort of, I get a little nuts. I didn't want to be famous. You know, I didn't want to, you know, make it, I guess. I was scared of it. And I quit the blog. And it's always been one of my regrets. But I don't know, it's in the past. It's over. Oh, man, cheer up. World's going to end in 10 minutes anyway. So uh, your last post on uh, Broke American, just so you mm-hmm. know, uh, was in 2016. Yeah. I brought it back for a little while. Yep, you brought it back. Well, no, you really, you brought it back for one. Because the post before that was 2014. What about the one before that? I don't Let's remember. Um, I thought I had a whole bunch on there. A big slew of them. Oh, yeah, you did. In September, you had a, a September of 2014, you did some stuff. Yeah, you know, when did that blog start? Can you see that? Hold on, let me see. I don't, yeah, I don't have it up on my computer. Cats, food, right. typewriters. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2009 was the first post. 2009, okay, so hey, you did five Uh-oh. years. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so I brought it back and I was just, I wanted to have a, little piece to show um like how my life had changed so i don't know it was a big gap in there so i i have it marked where the original posts start and i had that little i don't know i don't remember how many posts i added in the second run of it but it's all pretty dark in 2013 you had a comment from somebody that said use a hard bitch (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you remember writing that, Dino? Did I really write that? You did. It's I... right there on the page. Nice. Re- recent comments. Dino Corvino. Yay. Use a hard bitch. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, if you read the stuff that, I mean, that was, it. I all I wanted him to do was write something about, you know, rainbows or fucking puppy dogs or cinnamon and spice, just anything, because it it went sideways really in a kind of in a kind of gross way but but then again dan's life went sideways in a really kind of gross way too you know so right yeah you know things so, happen yeah exactly things happen and wow yeah <laughs> use a hard bitch oh jesus that's hilarious so um so then so then after that, you, you took some time off and you just sort of, you know, you're raising your kid and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. and now you started a new project, a new website, more of a sort of kind of sort of kind of Jesus fucking Christ. It's Friday, but more of a formal website. You bought a domain and the whole thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's called Dan Newman And it's. Yeah, it's a more formal blog. It's a lot, you know, it's not the dark thing it was before. There's a lot of links to video or to my videos on there as well. And yeah, I've, I had it since, what, December 2015, I think, now. So, um, yeah, maybe it's 2000, yeah, it's 2016, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've had it since d- December of 2016, so almost a year. And I've really enjoyed it. There's like 200 posts on there. I don't know. I don't get the most traffic on it yet, but I'm not exactly concerned about that at this time. So, so what are you doing with it? Why did you know? Why now? Why that? What's what the heck's going on? I just um, it was one of those things where I, I could afford it at the time. I've never really uh, had much money. So it was one of those things that I had the money to do this at the time, so I just did it. I was just like, it's got to be now. Um, the, the whole idea behind it was just to have a blog that I would make official, you know, like not, not something with a dot .wordpress. And, you know, I would, I'd sort of watch the content I'd post on there. I, would, I tried to not let it get too dark, but it's honestly who I am. You know, if if there was the force, my lightsaber would be red. There's no way around it. I'm just, that's just the world I exist in. So I did my best to keep it positive, and I've um, I posted a lot of pretty fun stuff on there. There's actually some fiction on the site as well. So, you know, you've been, you've been doing this now for at least 14 years kind of for money. Do you, do you feel yeah. like you've gotten better as a writer? Yeah, I really do. I mean, any anytime you put that much time in on something, you're going to get good at it. The things I've learned, that, or the things that taught me the most, were almost always reading. You know, you read. You have to read to be a writer. And I read classics. I went through. I read every book written in the '50s. I swear to God, I just got into them and I liked the style and for whatever reason reading those people inspired me to look things up and get deeper into 
writing styles and the intricacies of it. And yeah, that made me grow as a writer. Also, uh, right through my freelancing career, I've worked with dozens of editors. So I had to tailor myself to, well, of those dozens of editors I worked with, I had a longstanding relationship with a bunch, you know, over 10 probably. So I had to learn how to tailor my content for those people. You know, I had to learn how they wanted it. And to do that, you have to learn why. So that taught me quite a bit too. College and the newsroom, it's, it's all been a been good experience. Cool. So then now I want to talk about, I want to transition to, to the, the video and the running. Okay. So a while ago, you really sort of started, you dove into video. You know, I think uh, you and uh, the kid, E-Money, your son, you guys were going to do some some videos over the summer, and that really sort of never panned out, or maybe it did. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really pay attention. But uh, you, you really dove in on your own, though, right? Yeah. Uh, it didn't work out with Evan because he's just too young. He would sit there, and you have 27 minutes of him trying to move a lamp in a house, you know, and not talking. So we're going to let him just get a little older before his channel starts you know, getting uploads, but, uh, yeah, my videos, the, the running thing. And I don't know, I've always wanted to make films. I've always, always wanted to be able to tell stories that way. And I don't know, the, the phones, the technology with phones has come so far that you can make good quality videos just with very little equipment. So I could finally afford it, you know. So I got the best smartphone I, that was out at the time. And the iPhone? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got the uh, the Samsung. It's the S7. It was the best phone at the time, in my opinion. So I got that one, and it does. It, it makes really good videos. So I just started filming things and filming and filming and filming until I learned how to do it. Uh, the running deal, quite honestly, I was at work one day and I was trying to figure out how to, you know, get exercise into my life because I was very lethargic and am fat because of it. And I wanted to solve those two problems. And then I realized like three hours before the end of my shift that running is free and no one can take it away from me. So I'm going to start running. And three hours when my shift ended, I ran home or, you know, sort of hobbled home. I did my best. And I, that was in July, and I've been running ever since. And so you, you, listened to, you listened to the Keith and Seth and Amanda podcast a while ago. And so, I did. And so what I, what I you know, it, it's the same thing as always. I'm, I'm not a runner. I'm a swimmer. And, but it is, it is fascinating to sort of hear – like when you listen to those guys talk about it and they're obviously different than you, you know, uh-huh. did you, did you hear anything similar, like shared experience or sh- shared ideas with those guys? Yeah. When they talked about the feeling and the runner's high and all that stuff, I understand all that. I don't think I've really experienced the runner's high yet, but I, you know, I know what they're talking about because when, when you run, you 
feel better. I mean, everything about life is a little better. And they were talking about how they run and how far they run. And I was honestly, I don't know, I wasn't envious, but I was sort of like, I kind of want to be there because I would like to run further distances. Just like they always talk about running like five and six miles, which I can't comprehend, you know, because four blocks is a long way. I'm a little out of shape. So, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I lost my point there. No, it's okay. So, so tell me a little bit. So, you you work specifically, you work into the evening, and then Mm -hmm. if people watch your videos, it's rather unique because you film mostly at night, you know? Yeah. And, And it's Dan running in the dark. Which is which is a fascinating idea, but at the same time, you know, you and I both fat dudes, and so there there is sort of this stigma of going, I don't, I just don't want to fucking suffer in front of people, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that I think that like if I said to you, I go run a mile and a half tomorrow morning in the same spot you run every day, you just wouldn't do it, would you? Who me? Yeah, yeah, I'm not certain i would yeah it's it's embarrassing to you know do that that's why treadmills and stuff are so popular because you can just become a blubbering mess in your own home and no one has to laugh at you right so i chose that trail because it's you know there's no one there except for drunk people at night i've had a few you know drunk people run-ins but nothing major nothing and and so uh what do you, I mean, what's, what's the benefit for you? What, I mean, you've been doing it for a bunch of months now, longer than, than 30 days. They say, you know, sort of like 60 or 90 days is, you know, kind of how long it takes for a change or a habit to become a, you know, for uh, a, a change to become a habit. So now it's a habit for you. It's now, it's part of yeah. your life. And like, just, I know some of the answers to these questions cause you and I hang out, but so like, how has your eating changed? Well, I've had to change that because uh, I noticed that I was I was starting to fatigue at you know earlier times than I should, and it was because my diet was sort of crap for the last few days. So I made a change and I had to clean my diet up quite a bit. You know, get you know not eat BS and eat real food, and then my runs actually improved substantially. So I've had to change my diet. There's no way around it. I'm eating crazy crap like, you know, wraps with, you know, full of veggies and stuff now that I, I wouldn't have ever touched before because, I mean, McDonald's is right there, dude. You know? Right. And so, and go ahead. Also, um, to lose weight, I'm trying to just keep cutting my diet down and down and down because... The honest reason I am fat is because I eat too much. I don't have any medical conditions. I don't have anything else like that to blame. So it's my eating. So I've been cutting my diet down slowly. And I've been losing quite a bit of weight. So, so um, you know, you're, you're a YouTuber. You put the videos up on YouTube and stuff. So mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about how you film them. Because... You know, you you've de- you've sort of dove deep into the gear. Like you, you know, you have very limited gear, but you are pushing mm-hmm. the limits of that limited gear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
Yeah, well, I have my phone. I have a, a GoPro uh, Session 4, and I have an old, my old iPhone 5. And those are the cameras that I use. I have a, a bunch of little um, phone-sized tripods, and I have, I believe, like three or four. I have, like, I have lighting or lights at my house so I can have professionally lit uh, little like studio spots. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, that was a, you know, I still have that video too, do you know, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, that's the, that's basically really it. I don't have a computer that is up and running right now that can run, or they can run, you know, video editing software. So I edit all my videos on my phone. It's an app. It's a monthly fee app, sort of like on the Adobe model. But, I mean, it's very powerful, so I don't mind paying it. And I, I'll go out at night, and I'll be wearing a hoodie, and I'll throw one of those tripods, the small ones, in my pocket, and I'll have my cell phone or the GoPro, and that's really all I'll use to film. I'll just stick the, the, the tripod on places that are high enough to have you know decent blocked-off shots, or I'll do slow-mos or whatever, or... Time lapses. And I just, I don't know. I get a lot of shots while I'm running. I I do my best to keep those as stable as possible, but those don't always work out. And then every so often, when I have to take a break or whatever, or have something to say, I'll just you know do some face cam stuff. And so, what's the software on your phone? It's called Kine Master. It's K-I-N-E, Master. And it's it's a really deep uh, video editing software. It's You can add layers of video. You can do L cuts, J cuts. You can uh, add audio. You can take the audio out of clips. You can do green screen with it. So, I mean, it's just the sky's the limit with this thing. So how, how deep into it do you think you've gotten? Oh, I'm all the way in there, baby. Okay. I don't know. I'm. I um want to try green screen, but that's really the only thing I haven't tried. Oh, there's there's another thing. Have you seen those shots where it'll be a wider frame, and the person walks off of the right side and comes into the left side? So for a moment, there is two images of the same person on the screen. Yep. All right. This this phone can do that. So I want to do that at some point, and I want to start with the green screen. Wow, cool! So uh, zombies, yeah, green zombies, screen, green screen zombies, yeah, big for a fun run. Yeah, that would be a fun run. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. You could you could run with the zombies from World War Z. Those are the fun zombies. <laughs> good. I've been wondering which ones were the fun ones. Yeah. So they're they're the ones who who you know. If you if you look at them, it looks like they've spent the most amount of time on a treadmill. So they're they're That's the true. fast they're the fast zombies. So so the the running is building towards a goal, right? Yeah, I'm running the East Bay Turkey Trot. It's a 5K run and walk. It's on November 23rd, and it's a it's obviously going to be my first 5K. 
that was another one of those moments where I was just like, I saw the flyer and I was like, I'm going to do that. And maybe I've regretted it ever since, but maybe I haven't. I think it'll be a fun little challenge. I think it's going to be a good time. And so are you doing like one of those couch to 5k programs or something like that? Yeah, I just found one online that I printed it off. It's um, it's five weeks. When I say whoa, I mean whoa. They're running one and a half miles, one and a half miles, then two miles, and you know the it, the weeks progress like that yeah. until you get up to three and a half miles, and then they want you to do a short workout. And then the race for the for your third workout of that week. And are are you excited to do it? I mean, you're because you're going to be running with hundreds of other people. Yeah, I have never in my entire life ever even thought of doing something like this. So, in my opinion, it's a great idea. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think just like with the music scene thing. I've never been in a room with, you know, 1,500 runners before. You know, let's see what that looks like. Yeah. I'm looking at it like that. It's going to be a blast. You know you have to run with a turkey too, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I already have the turkey. I have it sitting on the deck rotting. Nice, nice. Nice, nice. See? Yeah, you're going to run with a rotted turkey. You definitely need those zombies. There it is. Bring it all back. That's the cannon fodder. I'll toss them a drumstick every so often to keep them off me. Nice. All right. Toss it at the people next to you. You come out ahead. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're we're coming to the end. It's it's we've been going for about forty five minutes here. So Dan, where if people want to find your website, tell us again where it is. All right. My website is www.dannewmanwriter.com. That's Dan spelled just like you think, D-A-N. Then Newman, just like you think, N-E-W-M-A-N. And my YouTube channel is Dan Dan Newman Vlogs. Nice. And then, uh, I I know you love this question, but are you on any of the social media platforms? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. uh, Pretty active on Instagram. And I've... Sort of, I don't know, I claim to have a Google Plus. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know, people don't really use that anymore, do they? No, I don't think so. Cool. So then, uh, uh, again, we, we, pre, we pre-interviewed uh, Dan a little bit, so we, we might actually have, this might actually work out for the first time in a lot of episodes. So we usually we try to end the podcast and never do by asking people for three endorsements or things that we're really into. So, uh, uh-huh. so Dan, we, I told you to, you know, that we were going to ask you. So did, do, you, do you have three? So three endorsements or things that I'm really into? Yep, right now, yep. Um, if, if you want, favorite... I, Dan, I could give you yours for you. <clears throat> if you want, I can tell you what they are. So they're, they're uh, uh, Brooks Shoes, Run Keeper, yeah. And clean canteen bottles. <laughs> You're close. Yes. You're close. Um, yeah, the Brooks shoes are amazing. I didn't talk about those at, those at all, did I? Should I do that now? If you want, yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for those shoes. You guys are sponsoring 
me in the race, and you got me some uh, Brooks Pure Flow uh, Sixes. They're the most hardcore running shoes I've ever held in my life, and I absolutely adore them. So yeah, they are my favorite thing. They're they're really comfortable, and the thing about it is the the insole is shaped differently than I'm used to because it's made for impact resistance. So it's taking a little time to get used to, but according to my research, it sounds like it takes 60 miles to break in a running shoe. Okay. So that's interesting. So I ran 60 miles in maybe my whole life. I doubt it, though. Yeah, so, okay, so that's one. What's your next one? All right. The um, what, what was your second one? I remember the clean canteen. Uh, run keeper. Run keeper. Yeah, that thing's the bait of my existence. Oh, I uh, I don't think I could really endorse that one right now. Why? It's not it's not run keeper, Dino. It's me. Oh I'm so yeah. Trouble actually using that damn thing. I'm just like. I'm running along and I'm like, shit, I just forgot that again. <laughs> never but I, remember. Yeah, but dude, I was just, I was looking at your stuff tonight and, you know, it's, it looks cool. Like you're, you've done it, you know, like I yeah. can see the route you've run and I can see how far you run. I think that's, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just forget to use it all the time and it kind of bugs me. And yeah. a lot of times my data won't be accurate because... I'll be like stopping to, you know, feign off a heart attack for a minute. And, you know, I'll just, I'll forget to leave it. So I'm walking miles in like 22 minutes. On yeah. that and stuff. Well, um, you, you can pick your own things to endorse then. I just thought it'd be funny to do those. Yeah. The clean canteen is great. I like that thing. It's a, it's, I think the most hipster thing I own, except for a Mason jar. And uh, I kind of dig it for that alone. It's rugged and it's fun. But the the final thing that I want to endorse is, let's see here, let me get the name for you. This is the KB Paradise KBP V6000. It is easily my favorite thing on the globe right now. It's It's a mechanical keyboard. And it's called a 60% keyboard because it's only the alphanumeric part. The rest of the, of the keyboard is just not there. It's tiny. And mine has blank keys. So there's no writing on the whole damn thing unless you turn it over and look at the logo. And that would be something I'd have to endorse. It's my favorite thing ever. I, you know, it's, it's fun because what I, I've always asked Dan to write more about his keyboard obsession and the tools that he uses as, as a writer. And so I think it's, so I think what you're doing there, buddy, is you just, you, now you, the people on the podcast are going to go to your website and just hope for, you know, you to honestly write about that keyboard, because I know you can, I know you can write 1500 words about that very keyboard. You yeah. Know? So I probably could. I love this thing. It was, the coolest thing about it is the blank keys because it, it feels like it's one less expectation between me and the page, you know, between me and getting my idea out there. And that's what's so freeing about it. And another side effect 
is my kid, he's nine years old. And I woke up one morning and he's typing away and typing away. And I realized he's using this keyboard. He's nine and typing on blanks. <laughs> I was just shocked. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he's, he's going to have that sort of interesting little history. Yeah. I so, would challenge you to write that post too, because we often talk about tech stuff. And given that it's the holidays coming up, I'm sure there's another tech podcast coming down the pike in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'd be an interesting uh, talking point. Yeah. Keyboard. I will. I, I mean, Dan is as as a writer. <laughs> Dan has had some fucked up tools. Like, I remember at one point he was writing. And I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, Dan. I think you were writing your city page pages column on a Palm Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've I've tried every way to um, to create. I've tried every way to write. I've honestly written entire stories with a quill and an ink, ink you know, an ink blotter or whatever, just to see what it was like. I've tried everything. I have two typewriters though. I've written a lot on those, a lot on them, so, and I've, I have keyboard after keyboard now because I mean there's, nowadays with, the ability to you know have a usable copy, instantly as soon as you write it you know or at least an editable copy. That's that's invaluable. So that sort of takes everything else out of the rotation. Like there's no reason to use any other tool except the computer or you know that sort of a setup. Yeah, but, but you, yeah, I've so tried it all. I, you know, you also use the weird. What was the Neo thing? What was that fucking thing called? The Alpha Smart. That was a that was a neat product, but I mean, it was not a happened? neat product. It was an awesome product. You shut your mouth. It was. It, God, Ugh. it's so it's so funny because the thing is, like you just talked about the benefit of the the keyboard your your mechanical keyboard with no keys is that there's no distance between or there's less of a distance between you and the page and the, less the expectation alpha, and the alpha smart is exactly the opposite in the fact that it literally puts a layer of nonsense between you and the page yeah well it wasn't as hard as you thought it was all you do is you would plug your the thing into the into the um, computer when he got home. This is in the days when laptops were still kind of spendy, you know, and they weren't as accessible. So you'd plug it in just like a normal keyboard, and you'd hit one key on the Alpha Smart, and it would upload the document. You know, it would be a you'd put it in a Word document. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. You could also just keep the thing plugged in and use it as a keyboard if you wanted to. That's true. Yeah. But and so then, I mean, it, it wasn't terrible. I liked it because it, I could just take it to the park or right. wherever I was. I could be in a car. And now I have a Chromebook that completely replaced that, so I don't need it anymore. Yeah. So, and so do you? Do you have a third thing? Dino, hold third on. Thing? I was on mute. Dino, oh. hold on. I was on mute. What was that little thing that you bought? That little just strictly for writing. Who, me? I want to. I want to call it a laptop, but it wasn't really. It looks a lot like this Alpha Smart. What was that Ooh. writing with the Dino? 
Oh, okay. Um, so... Do you remember you bought that? You bought that one little. It was like a little. It was almost like a little laptop, but it was a lot smaller. So right, I... and it was it was strictly for writing. Do you remember that? No. I, I... What the hell was that? What was that thing called? What the fuck are there we? There was talking? such hype around it. Are right, you, you guys talk? You guys talk? No, no, I don't even know out. what we're talking about now. So let. So did I? I bought something. Yeah, it was a lot like this Alpha Smart. It was a little flip thing. It was a little um, like a flip phone, right? It wasn't a phone, but I mean, it was a little like a little tiny laptop, and it was strictly for writing, essentially. I mean, that's how it was built. Was it? And you recently? bought it when you were doing. No, you were doing a lot of traveling at the time. It was, it an, H, was it an HP thing? I forget what it was. Well, I bought that HP Steam for, but that was really relatively recently. No. Oh no, that's right. I bought a netbook. There you go, netbook. That's what <laughs> yeah. It, was. it looks very similar to the Alpha Smart, so you shouldn't yeah. trash Dan too that's much. That's true. You're right. That's true. I should. Yeah, but that that ran XP though, and it's yeah. And I think Dan has the netbook right now, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually gave it to a friend who didn't have a computer and needed one. Yeah. So, so I, oh, I, God, I, send, I paid it forward. That's funny because so, oh, that's that's just a fun sort of trickle down computer story. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I was traveling and I had gotten uh, Marcus Nelson's Power Mac, whatever whatever those MacBooks, the aluminum MacBooks were called back in the day. And Power I book. Power Book, and uh, and I was in an airport and I set my bag down wrong and I broke the screen. And I didn't have I didn't have any money to to sort of buy a new Apple product, so I went to Best Buy and bought a netbook, and it was wonderful for until I could talk some until I could get a new until I probably got this this MacBook Pro probably you know ten fifteen years ago I I grounded out with that thing and I and I I still love the form factor of the ten inch computer I mean that's I'm still trying to get somebody to buy my goddamn iPad so I can buy an iPad mini and, you know, get, get back to the size that I want, you know, but anyway, that's a whole other deal. Um, yeah. So Eric, uh, do you have any endorsements? No. Okay. I don't. Great. So I'm, so then I'll just do mine real quick. Um, so I'm currently in love. I bought my first, uh, non Apple MP3 player recently. And, uh, I bought a SanDisk. What is it called? And the podcast is over, everyone. Thank you for joining us. That's right. Yes, I bought <laughs> I bought a Sandisk Clip Jam, and uh, and so the reason I bought it is uh, because it was twenty nine dollars, and I put a sixty four gig micro SD card in it. If I was to buy a sixty four gig uh, iPod Touch, it would be three hundred and fifty bucks. And so for me, being a music snob, uh, this was fine. It was one of those things where I'm like, I want to just, like, I really want to have control of the music, and it's great. And the cool thing about it is just how small it is. It literally weighs as much as a matchbook, and it's about as big and as thick as a matchbook. It's, abs- like, it's if it didn't have a clip on it, I, I think I would lose it, you know? So... It's um, like the early days of the iPod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's what's it, fun about it. It brings me back to, I, I was talking to Tom about the, our first MP3 players, which were RCA Lyra, L-Y-R-A, 
which took uh, re- gigantic flashcards and could take up to like 150 songs. And I just I remember mowing my lawn with my RCA Lyra, thinking I was the coolest dude in the world. You know. <laughs> and now I have like in my car I have a USB drive with 128 gigs and 50,000 songs, and it just on shuffle. You know, so. So the second thing was uh, the TV show Mind Hunt on Netflix, which is about the birth of behavioral science at the FBI. It's sort of a, a fictionalized version of that. And it's like the, the psychology and all of that and the serial killers are really cool. But the thing that I'm really in love with is uh, just how much one character smokes on the show. Like, because you don't see smoking on television anymore. This dude literally, it's like, a, it's from the time when you would smoke on airplanes or you would smoke at your desk at work. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad those days are over. This poor actor just doesn't get to stop smoking ever, you know. He's going he's gonna to end up like Kramer in that bad episode of Seinfeld. And the third, and the third thing is uh, I'm, I'm currently working my way through this fall, uh, coming into December, I'm working my way through the Star Wars canon of novels, and so I'm wow. I'm, I'm probably yeah, wow, that's right. Yeah, so there's I think the canon is probably like 140 crazy. novels deep, and I think I've probably read 20 novels uh, in the last couple of years. So, because because wow. uh, this the movie that uh, apparently is coming out is they say is true to the canon. So I really wanted to sort of, I, I am, I have read through the point where this movie has occurred. So I think, uh, I think I'm super excited to see what happens, but yeah. Any predictions? Nope. I have no predictions at all. I don't, uh, yes, you do. You're just not sharing them. So, so if I was going to give Agreed. a prediction without any sort of knowledge, I, so this, I'll do it. I'll, I'll give it to you. I think the girl turns on Luke Skywalker and I think that that's the cataclysm. So yeah, but I have no knowledge of that. So I'm not nice. I'm not wrecking it for you. And Eric also oh. knows that I don't read anything about the movies. Like I'm not going to read Rotten Tomatoes or any of the Vanity Fair articles or any of that sort of stuff before Eric and I sit down in the theater and watch the show because yeah, I, that's for him to do because that way you know. I'm coming to it cold. And that way, if you see it the three times that first weekend, you know, because we're probably going to go three times. Um, yeah. We'll just, uh, then after that, he can send me all the links to the cool shit. Since you don't read it, um, Thor is getting 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. You're shitting me. Wow. I am not. It's pretty, it sounds like it's pretty amazing. Just throwing that out there. All right, so is, wow. is, the sense, is the sense that they just went, fuck it, let's make this dude funny. Nope. Yeah. The sense is that we have done these two movies and they don't exist. Really? We are going to start over. <laughs> we are oh. going to rewrite this character. We're going to rewrite the green dude. The Hulk. And we're going to change everything that you know about these two. Which is funny because... like, that And then we're going to throw in a chick who they're, who they're um, comparing to the Han Solo of the MCU. Really? So, yeah. But the thing isn't the thing like wasn't that one Vanity Fair article that you and that you had sent me about how they built these stories like over a twenty-year plan? Like, 
This this was all. Oh yeah, I would, I would. That would be fascinating to talk to that. I mean, if they were willing to give up that information, that would be fascinating. Because sitting in that room to talk about the grand plan, yeah, that they've done would just it would be amazing. Because it sounds like unless they're feeding us with a bunch of hot air, right? It sounds like they've had this whole thing laid out. Maybe mm. not every little bit of minutia, but they've sort of figured this whole thing out, and they haven't stopped. You know, this is sort of this. What is it? Phase three or phase four? Yeah. When they, when they go to space, you know, now Agents of Shield is going to space on TV. I'm looking um, so forward to that. Oh my god! Somebody, I read something today that there were some pictures from Entertainment Weekly, and somebody in one of the forums said that some of the new characters that are coming to Shield look like they're dressed like Ravagers. For those who don't know, those are the um, folks from Guardians of the Galaxy. Even so I know who that is. They've yeah. managed to tie in the TV shows to the movies oh. in some subtle way. So, I mean, if if they really, I mean, it's fucking genius if they actually <laughs> sat in a room and figured all of this out. Yeah, I want to see that flowchart. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, it's it's this thing where you go, yeah, we're gonna put Natalie Portman in a movie, and then we're gonna act like Natalie Portman was never in that movie. Well, but you no, know, those are the missteps. I mean, yeah, gonna, oh no, I completely get it. Yes. Say, yeah, we think she'll be awesome, and she'll take this here and here and here. And oops, now yeah. we have to go back and, right. and redo this. And yeah, exactly. Now we're gonna but, have to have a weird scene in Age of Ultron where they're talking about why the women aren't in the movie. You know, yeah. Right. I just you know, but it's it's that thing. It's like I mean, it's the Natalie Portman thing. Like J.J. Abrams pretty much wants to just go. Yeah, she wasn't in the Star Wars movies. You know. <laughs> We're never we're never gonna look we're never gonna forget the running on snow than or sand than falling down scene you know that'll that'll yeah, never go said, away. She said those movies damaged her career, the Star Wars and the Marvel one. She said those she couldn't come back. Oh <laughs> yeah, those. but the, but the Star Wars you should movie... have been a, you should have been a better actor, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause, cause it's not like she's good at her craft or anything, but. You know, like, and the other thing that I think is fun is now this winter she has a straight up action sci-fi movie coming out, right? Where she holds a like she's a she uses a gun, and I'm like, yeah. Jesus, that's Natalie Portman carrying an AR-15. That's weird, you know. So, but the anyway, only spoiler, the only spoiler out of Thor, the yeah. only spoiler out of Thor that I'm going to share is yeah. I just read it today, and I didn't know about it is that apparently, um. Bruce Banner wakes up and doesn't realize that he's been the Hulk for two years. Whoa. Boom. Sweet. Whoa. Mind. So that's my endorsement. That's it. Go so see. we're going to end the podcast Go with that. That's a mic drop. We're done. Yep. All right. Hey, thanks for doing this, Dan. No problem. Thanks yeah, for thanks. having me. And let there be no misunderstanding. Our objectives are clear. Well, I like to go in Russia and stuff with this rock and roll people. You think the Russians could dig your kind of music? They're digging. Seize your energy. Lucky under! The big Ruskin said that it's just a jamming it like I know. We are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen or those earned. We are really talking about humanism. Why did you put what we said on the radio? To encourage some interchange of ideas, of books, magazines, students, tourists, artists, radio programs, technical experts. 
I want you and your boys to cease and desist from violating the American airwaves, or I won't be responsible for the consequences. Further communications may not be possible. It's this guy. He's got a pirate radio station. We intend to bring into existence by any means. Who what's on the comm channels? Very active, sir. Multi-phasing transmissions, overlapping. It's almost a gibberish. Welcome. 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 Simply adjust the frequency for the switch. Welcome to Radio Program. Beginning according to plan. We control transmission. What are you doing on this frequency? Just remember who you are. Should be, in fact, institutionalized to walk the streets, these access to 